0: Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy.
0: And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast,
1: your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you are a multitasker or a workaholic, this episode is for you. Today we are talking with our girl, Francesca Medina, also known as Fran from Hey Fran Hey. She is an OG internet person, a digital architect, and a wellness advocate who used to be based out of Harlem, but recently moved to Portland, Oregon. Fran is an advocate for conscious living, and that's what we're going to talk to her about today. So after moving from New York to Portland, Fran shares what it's been like to slow down and stop multitasking and create a new life in a new city. We've been friends with Fran for over 10 years. And actually, if you go onto our IG, I took a trip down memory lane and posted an old photo of us from, I believe it's 2012. And when we got into this kind of online space, we started on YouTube. Fran already had a YouTube account and she was already working with brands and doing the thing and had a huge following from like day two and always just shared her wisdom with us, always looked out for us, helped us get opportunities. And we Love having these conversations with her. She's been on the podcast. I think this is her third time on the podcast. We've been on her podcast two times. Her podcast is called The Friend Zone. And there's just a bunch of cool projects that she's working on. We talk about that. So, this conversation is about how to create a better life for yourself. We talk about making friends in a new city, why it feels awkward making new friends in your 40s, why Fran gave up consistency on social media for peace the process of vetting which brands to work with, how she stops multitasking, and how she was able to recognize her relationship with work as a work addiction and what she has done to scale back, which has actually allowed her to make more money and spend less time working. Before we jump into the episode, I'm going to read a listener review. This is from Ooh Iru Reid. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but it says, Postpartum Peace Thanks for being an anchor for me as I navigate a new body, even now 18 months after my daughter's birth. Your calm, loving and realistic perspectives on food, the body and balanced life have helped me so much. Whenever I'm feeling spirally, I know I have a safe haven and wise life giving words to hear from you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for that listener review. That means the world to us. We read every single review and oftentimes the reviews and kind words are the highlight of our day. So we really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, take some time to head on over to iTunes and drop us some stars, preferably five stars and leave a quick review if you don't mind. All right. With that, we're going to jump into the episode.
1: Fran, are you in Portland right now? Yes, Portland, Oregon. Woo woo! Okay, so for those of you who don't know, friends are girl, and she moved from New York City to Portland, which is such a big change <laughs> in every sense of the word.
2: <laughs> so, how long has it been now that you've been living there? Oh man, about a year and like four months, four and five. Yeah, a little under a oh. year and a half. I know, time flies. Oh my god! Okay.
1: Tell us, how's it been going? I know in New York City, like sometimes you feel like it's very insular, like you feel like you're kind of living in a bubble. And you've created an entire life outside of that. So how have you you've been feeling about the move? I remember like when we last spoke, you had just moved there. And you mm-hmm. were like, wow, this is like a big adjustment. <laughs> Things are so different over here. So how's it been going?
2: Um, I mean it's definitely still an adjustment. (laughs) I I always wonder like, do New Yorkers ever fully adjust anywhere? (laughs) Um, But honestly, it's been it's been a great adjustment, a lot of learning, especially with how to be in community, because I didn't realize New Yorkers were so it's a very individual city, right? You just like go into your apartment, (laughs) you go to work, you get in your Uber, whatever, to get a jump on the train. And here, it's like my neighbors want to have conversation. And when they see me, they're like, like the mailman knows my name. And he's like asking me about my day every time he drops the mail. And there's a part of me that was annoyed by it like I noticed and then I was (laughs) like why are you so annoyed like these are people granted some of them are nosy but for the most part they're just trying to be like hey you're a part of our community now and we're just trying to get to know you you know and there was that New York like paranoia that (laughs) kind of had to work with like why are you all in my business why are you asking so many questions and it was just funny because I had no idea that I was even that person but I've never lived in like a suburb, you know, I didn't grow up in that. And I've always lived in buildings, apartment buildings my entire life. And so living in a house, even having to tend to a backyard and, and you know, worry about the front yard and the porch. And it's just funny. Like, I feel like I've stretched into a whole new version of myself that is is excited and curious, but also, Anxious, like I gotta be rolling out garbage bins every Tuesday. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is this life? You know, I had to learn to drive because oh, ain't no train, you no know, two train, three blocks away, and there's no bus, you know, that's easily accessible. Which is sad, but. It's also cool for me because as a New Yorker, a lot of us don't even have our license. <laughs> we yeah. don't even yeah. ever make it a thing to become drivers because you don't really need to in that type of city uh, where transportation is is so crucial. So here... I like learned to drive. I got my first car at 40 years old. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's really cute. So it's been an adjustment, but it's been great. I think I've expanded in a lot of ways that I didn't anticipate and a lot of ways that I did.
1: I love that. Do you think you're going to stay there?
2: I don't know if it's a forever thing. I will say that just because it feels like this is a very like what Fran needs right now thing. And I'm feeling it out who's to say, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but I'm not getting that feeling, okay. you know, that this is like, oh, I want to, you know, plant some roots here, and maybe buy a house, and have companies, like, I feel that way, but then I don't, so I'm just kind of, mm-hmm. like, playing it by ear, and seeing, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not a lot of, like, speaking of community, there's not a lot of our community here, and there's a part of me that feels like, oh, that's exciting, because it can be something that I turn into a mission somewhat. Cause even just me living here a year and a half, a lot of people have moved here. And a lot of people, you see more black people just period. Like it's, there's, I think more of a migration happening to the Pacific Northwest. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with quarantine and COVID mm-hmm. where people were like, I wanna be around nature and this is beautiful out here. So I get the attraction and the calling. So I'm seeing a lot more Black people, but you know it's challenging being in a city where I don't even know what our percentage is. Like two percent, I don't even. Yeah, it's <laughs> so low. really low. Yeah, so that presents its own unique challenges. So that's what kind of makes me wonder if I could stay here long term because I don't find myself being as social out here, which I need to be because I'm such an introvert. And I would stay home for a month, like <laughs> gladly, <laughs> not leave my house, not even a problem. But I don't want to be that person, you know, like I want to grow out of a lot of that. So I don't know that I can do that here.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that, because last time I went to Portland, which I think was 2021, and I was texting you and you you were not there yet. I don't think you were about to get there.
2: Yeah, October. And
0: yeah, I did love Portland, but my husband Yosef was like, it's a no for me just because <laughs> just there's... <scared. laughs> Yeah, because of the lack of black people. And then also it being you being hyper visible as a black person. Again, you you're saying that there's more black people now, but then there wasn't. And also it was just a little bit of awkward vibes, (laughs) I think, because I think that the white people in Portland They want to go out of their way to make you not feel uncomfortable, and in doing so, it's like uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like (laughs) we would go eat somewhere, and you know, everyone's sitting, and there's no seats, and everyone's like getting up for us,
2: like, Take my seat, take my seat. And we're just like, That is Portland. That is Portland. Every lawn (laughs) has that, like, Black Lives Matter written on people's windows, and it's like, (laughs) All right, now, (laughs) all right, all right.
0: So, yeah, he's he's like, no, but I loved it in the nature and the hiking. Do you find yourself doing a lot of like hiking or the farmers markets
2: there? Yes. And that was the biggest thing for me here. You know, honestly, it's been the saving grace because you could throw me in the woods and I'm going to be fine. And it's kind (laughs) of it's helped me with not having so much of the community and social aspects, because for me, nature is Social for me, like it's so spiritual, and that's a lot of the connection that I feel like I wasn't granted access to in New York. I mean, you go to Central Park, lay out—that's as much nature. Or you have to drive right. out to the Catskills, you know, two three hours out to really get that feeling. But here is such a blessing. Like I'm like, this is wild. Like I have hummingbirds that come. To my window every day. Wow. And I put their nectar out in like a hummingbird feeder and we chill. And like 10 minutes away, if I'm not having the best day, I just go drive out to like the waterfalls and the hikes and everything's right there, five, 10 minutes away. Beautiful mountains with snow caps. I mean, it's like unreal the land out here is unreal it looks yeah. straight out of like those Mercedes car commercials where they're like turning the road <laughs> and, like the trees it's it's just stunning and I needed that connection deeply yeah. Didn't even re- like I've always been crunchy granola girl but this is different like mm. I just feel the first day that I went to a waterfall out here I was shocked because I just started crying Aww. <laughs> and I didn't know where that came from. I guess it was something a lot deeper, you know, in that moment, just that feeling of like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. water, nature, fresh air, just feeling like expansive in that moment. You know, you don't realize how guarded and small you have to make yourself in New York just to survive. Mm -hmm. But out here, just being able to take that deep, fresh breath, you know, and sitting in the car just eating like you know you make your little charcuterie board when you go hiking your cheese and your fruit and I was like this is it this is it and just the simplicity I feel like this has brought me back to the basics you know Mm -hmm. like in New York I felt like I had my climb was different it was more like what's next what's the five-year plan what you know and here it's like day by day like I'm just happy to be in the sun and the excitement now is like buying a hammock, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And going for walks and exploring new neighborhoods. And it's just become a lot simpler. And I like that because I feel like I was getting farther and farther away from that, you know, and and I'm still rocking, obviously, business-wise, but my priorities have shifted. I think my value system has shifted since I've been out here.
0: Mm. What about friends? How do you, is someone who, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you do seem very pop, like a popular girl. How? You seem to have a lot of friends. How's that going (laughs) in Portland?
2: Or how are you making friends? You know, I'm lucky because my partner is extroverted as hell. He's a Gemini and he makes friends with anybody. Like he's just that person, very magnetic. So he's made a lot of friends that have in turn become, you know, my friends somewhat. I've met a couple people that reached out to me, you know, usually like, oh, so-and-so told me you moved out here. I'd love to take you out to dinner, hung out with them. But you know what I'm realizing? I'm not the best at maintaining new friends at this age. Mm Because I'll kick it with you if I meet you and I'll come home and be like, I liked her. She was like, cool. And then won't text you back. (laughs) or follow it up, you know, or follow it up, like, hey, let's, like, cat, like, go, oh, they'll hit me, like, yo, let's, like, link again, I'll be, like, yeah, 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 and then don't do it, and Mm -hmm. I'm, like, what is that, because it's, like, if I like them, but it's, like, I'm so comfortable in the friends that I have, that I don't think I'm maintaining those new, like, learning how to create new attachments to new people, I'm finding that I'm not doing the best job at it and I'm like is it a block like because my partner would be like but you said you liked her why don't you go like hit her and, and go for a hike or something and I'll be like yeah yeah you're right
0: mm. I feel <laughs> so you is it,
2: well, what is that because it's like girl if you want to make friends you have to make the effort too it's like dating like yeah it's not going to yeah. turn into anything if you don't pour attention and energy and intention into it so I can't necessarily complain that I don't have a social life if I'm also not, you know, trying to create one. So I'm in that weird space of trying yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, because I just miss my friends. I'm a tourist. Yeah. So it's like I'm very okay. like comfort, you know. Like I I have who I have. I love who I love. And I think this is probably going to be another thing of living out here. Of just like okay, time to like step into new connections and and feeling those out because I have met really sweet people there's like literally no reason to not hang out with them
0: yeah I'm <laughs> like <sure>. none <laughs> I get it yeah I'm the same I'm like I have my friends we go back a ways and <laughs>
2: it's like hard to beat Sorry. that you know and you yeah. know what I'm not a chit chat person mm. and that's a lot of what the early days are right lots yeah. of questions mm-hmm. and like that I don't know I just I just be like ugh, let's just Talking about aliens already. Yeah, my like get your Yeah, like I'm like ready. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, girl, ease in, you know, ease in. So lots of Right.
1: <laughs> it's a skill. I think especially as you get older, it's like uh, we become so set in our ways. We become so comfortable with like the relationships Mm -hmm. that we've cultivated that it's definitely a skill. And like I have found myself being super awkward and like I don't generally consider myself to be that awkward person. But like I do find that now that I'm a bit older, I'm just like a little more hesitant. I feel like I'm like the weird girl in the room, like in my (laughs) kickboxing class. I'm <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> like everyone is just like chit-chatting and I'm like that awkward and it, it's just yeah it's just not me but that's
2: what it's been lately it's very and weird I completely understand you because we've all known each other for quite some time like I feel like well over a decade at this point point. and yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah none of us are socially awkward we're like put us in a room <laughs> and we're cool it's like just but I don't know now in my 40s I've yeah. totally turned into that emo girl with the bangs. It's just yeah. like, no new friends. <laughs>
0: right. No new friends. No new friends. No yeah.
2: Friends. yeah. I feel
1: you 100%. And I know you mm. mentioned that, like, now that there is not as much stimulation and chaos from New York City, you've kind of realigned with your interests and also mm-hmm. just like you're seeing things differently from a creative standpoint, with the work that you're doing. So you mentioned there was a lot of chaos, overstimulation being in New York. And now that you are in a different place, you've had some realizations, you're approaching things differently. So I'm wondering, like, how does that look like for you with, you know, your creativity, with the work that you're doing? Has there been any shift there in the way that you're approaching things?
2: Absolutely. Like, (laughs) I think that there was a realization of like my life was way too centered around work, mm. and you don't realize that it's. You know, it's funny. My best friend and I were on the phone, and he was like, "How's you know How's this year feeling for you?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm working so much less, right?" And he goes, "So, what does your schedule look like now?" And when I rattled everything off, it was still so shit oh, wow. that he was like, "Uh, okay." <laughs> And it was that feeling of like, I'm such an overextending, overworking workaholic, or at least that's what I've become, that I don't even realize that my schedule now is just a normal work schedule. You know, where in New York, I was so overextended and working in the excess that it just felt normal to me. Like I'd almost gotten comfortable and grown around the discomfort of that lifestyle and was just like, fine with it. And then when I got here, I thought it was going to be all waterfalls and hikes, but it was actually a big crash mentally, you know, spiritually, emotionally, where it's almost like when you're in a loud club and then you leave and your ears are pulsating, your body's, your nervous system is like, what the hell? And you go home, you have to kind of sit still for a second, you know, and I think this is what that is metaphorically you know and literally it's just that stillness for a second where I'm like reorienting reconfiguring my nervous system is like whoo, lord okay (laughs) this is what like normal life is and now I realize like I want to make time to cook (laughs) and make and like play with puzzles
1: <laughs> like yeah
2: you know go for walks and like learning to drive and getting better at that and just my life not being so work centered which is like society's designed that way so you kind of feel like you don't have a choice and I'm blessed to have stepped out of that mentality because now like yeah I'm still working and I am working a lot but it's like I make time for so much more like before Monday through Friday it was very structured for me. Like you couldn't even ask me to come go out half the time. Cause it's like, no, I have my set thing. I can become very rigid. And now it's like, if I want to go get ice cream on a Tuesday <laughs> or sit on a bench somewhere on a Wednesday in the middle of the day, like I, I give myself space to do that. Cause I'm like the day is whatever you need it to be. Stop making it so rigid you know, and, and what really was funny to me was one day I was like super stressed out, had to fly to New York for a campaign. It was like a Wednesday morning, it was super sunny and beautiful out. I'm stressed, raging in this car, I headed to the airport and there was this group of girls laughing, sitting on the side of a bench eating ice cream. And they just were like having such a blast. Aww. And that contrast of like, gosh, <laughs> look at what. I've designed my day to feel like because I want to be of status of note, you know, and it just was like a lot. Something about that made me crack that day. Like I need to really figure out what I want my days to feel like because making it so work centered just had me anxious Mm -hmm. and stressed and overwhelmed and overstimulated more often than not. And it's like, is it worth it? Because I want to make a certain amount of money and be in a certain place in life. That's why I'm like, I had to change my value system because what's the point of making all this money if you're tired and can't even enjoy it? Exactly.
1: I agree. Was that scary for you? Like, Because, you know, there's also like the fear of missing out, especially with work stuff where like initially when you're making that shift, you're like, well, damn, maybe like with me not working as much, like certain opportunities will pass me or things like that. Was that ever something that came across
2: for you? No, I can't say I didn't have any like business FOMO because in a weird way I've always been that person that has always kind of been half in half out as far as mm-hmm. you know the industry because I I don't give too much of myself I give just enough to maintain so once I pulled back I just as far as business I was you know it's weird I thought like oh shoot if I'm like in Portland I'm gonna be out the way <laughs> I'm not gonna get as much work. But it actually increased because it was like people were curious about the perspective of Mm -hmm. my life out here. So I actually, in the last year, made more money working less and living out the way than I ever have in all my years working as this brand. Like I literally had my most lucrative year with creating space in my schedule, which is so weird, right? Because you think it was going to be the opposite. And it just goes to show what we think we have to work so hard to, like, reach certain marks. And, like, I hit that mark and beyond and was still, you know, on my hammock reading books and chilling back here. So that was, like, a big lesson for me, too.
0: Yeah, that's a great lesson. And I can relate. And I also appreciate you keeping it real and sharing kind of what you have been going through because I know that I mean I can relate and I think so many other people can relate. And it from the outside looking in, I think sometimes people think, oh yeah, certain people have it all figured out. And yeah. we're, we're all just <laughs> in this together, trying to not fall apart. You know. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I want to switch gears and talk about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, which we've had you on before to talk about that because I feel like social media obviously is crazy and yeah. you are one of the few people who seems to not let social media rule you and you do it on your own terms. For sure. Yeah. I always <laughs> use you as like the gold standard. Like look <laughs> at Fran. Fran posts like 10 times a year. <laughs>
2: not even. That would not even. <laughs> <lot right laughs> <for me. laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> like three. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like really, I think you post when when it makes sense. So how have you been feeling with social media lately? And just what is your updated outlook?
2: I mean, it's still pretty much the same. <laughs> I only post when I have something to post. I don't yeah. really feel that like you have to do it daily, but I do suffer for it in the sense that like my peers have far surpassed me as far as their numbers, you know, They are, some of my peers are in the millions on social media. And I, I don't have those numbers because I don't keep that consistency, but I'm okay with that because I also feel like I've, it's like a trade-off. Like you want the numbers or you want more of business and life to be on your terms. And I prefer that. (laughs) Like I'm okay. I'm more peaceful. I don't have that pull. Like, I won't go on social media for a day or two and I don't feel like, oh, man, my brand's going to tank. You know, it's like it's fine. And luckily, my base, because I've been doing that for so long, they get it and they understand it. and those who get it, get it. They're still there. They know they might not get a post for a month or two and they're patient. <laughs> and it's cool and it works out for me. And to be honest, I've actually untethered even more because I have found that social media... As heavy as it's always been, it feels a little darker, like mm-hmm. even darker these days, and a lot heavier. And a lot of that seems intentional, you know, especially like on Twitter. But I, yeah, I made it a point like this year. I was like, I want to read more. You know, when we were little, we would read a lot. Like at least, I feel like me and my friends, we were always our heads buried in books, whether it was Goosebumps or whatever. And mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of recreate that feeling. And it started off with me being like. You know, read a page at least. (laughs) Like, no matter how hard your day has been, read a paragraph, but just read every day. Mm -hmm. And that turned into a couple pages and then chapters. And now I found that instead of reaching to my phone, I'll reach for my book. And I'm so proud of that. It's so simple, but it makes me happy because I feel like that's part of an untethering that I've been wanting to work on for so long. And I'd be so proud of myself or going for walks and not taking my phone, obviously getting back in touch with my body, being out here. I think during quarantine, I definitely had a mind-body disconnection because I was so in my head, just trying to get through the emotions of the past three years that I think my body, I just kind of like let it go to the wayside. <laughs> and now <clears throat> been reconnecting with my body in a really cool way, just stretching before bed, Long walks, having conversations with my body, like what's paining, what's aching? what do you need? You know, how can I comfort you and and rebuilding those relationships? So a lot of i r l in real life shit's going down, you know, and it's been really good. so social media <laughs> will always be a blessing because it's afforded me so much, you know, like I'm working with NPR right now because of social media. That's a blessing that's like. One of the markers i had been wanting to hit as a podcast producer, but I'm so thankful that I figured out how to reach those marks without giving more of myself than I wanted to. And to me, that's like the best blessing. Yeah. That is amazing. And yeah, we saw, I mean,
1: we're always like keeping up to date with all of the amazing things that you're doing. And I think with the brand partnerships, it can be really hard to find ones that align sure. and that pay the bills that actually compensate well. And so like the oh, ones yes. that you're doing, I'm like, oh, my God, it's such a perfect fit for you. Like it just seems like it really aligns. And so I'm wondering, like, what is your process for, vetting brands making sure that it all makes sense because in our experience doing this for you know over 10 years it's like there's a lot of partnerships that you sign up for that maybe initially make sense and then it's like yeah, a right. train wreck
2: <laughs> a lot of those. So
1: yeah 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 i'm sure you've you've had those you know in the past too but you've mm-hmm. done this for so long so like do you have a, a certain thought process or like approach that you take on just to make sure that it's the right fit
2: well, I think, honestly speaking, when you're first coming up, you just got to take what you get, you know? So it's yeah. definitely, like, you just happy to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> early on, you know, I had to do what I had to do to survive. We're living in New York, there was rent, you know, and, and you just have to kind of be realistic with your situation. I think when money started becoming more comfortable, where like, I could start saying no, you know, so it was a journey, it was a process that I was afforded. Uh, as the success continued. And then I was able to kind of carve out my voice a little more once I was safe, you know, and that's the reality of it. In the beginning, I wasn't safe. I was just trying to like survive. But then when I got into, I shifted into thriving, that's when I could kind of you know, buck up a little bit, like, I'm not taking that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do this. And then, you know, that was the blessing of it. So now I have carved out my voice so prominently, so strongly that brands kind of know Fran wouldn't probably wouldn't do this, you know, mm-hmm. they don't even really hit me like that. And I do tend to get more projects at this point where people are like that for sure. She would do this, you know, it's in, it's in perfect alignment Or at least it's close enough that we might get a conversation going with her. And a lot of times people will let me adjust and modify as I see fit, which is really cool too. So yeah, initially it was not like that at all, but now it completely is. And it's a blessing because it's almost like you create your compass, right? Like the more people see the road you're on, then they're like, okay, okay, this is Fran. This is what Fran's Mm -hmm. trying to do. So let's get her... These projects that are following that that road that she's kind of paved for herself.
0: Yeah, it's so inspirational for people who, yeah, who are listening. Where I think you're right. In the beginning, you do have to maybe take more just to survive. Yeah, yes. But um, <laughs> yeah, we have those bills. <laughs> but just putting out there what you want to put out there and getting back what you want to get back, and it's very clear. And anytime you do something, I think people are excited because you don't do many things. I'm curious, like, how do you define yourself professionally? Like, do you call yourself a podcaster or yeah, what is what's your elevator pitch?
2: You know, what's funny? I, I have People always because I had to write a bio recently and I was like, ugh, how awful to have <laughs> to talk like describe yourself because how can you? I'm yeah. terrible at it. I had to hire my friend to do it. And I loved seeing how she described me because I think sometimes we will play small in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's cultural or just societal, like even her using certain language to describe me. I was like, ooh, girl, you know, like I'm gonna hire you for my PR. And she's like, friend, do (laughs) you not realize this is like really you, you know, this is the work you've done. But I really call myself like a a digital architect, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's not so much, anything specific I've created I don't limit myself because if I say podcast producer then that's all I'll get if I yeah. say content creator people think you're an influencer so I just say digital architect where I just continue to carve out spaces based on where I'm at and how I'm feeling and what I feel called to in that moment so I feel like that term has probably been the most aligned I felt describing myself I am about term. to hire her. Like, right. I need Oh I, no, I came up with that one, but she okay. like, oh, okay. gotta <laughs> put that in there. <laughs> Listen,
1: well, like that's then. too gassed, you know. I was like, is that too
2: gassed? We call myself that. She's no, like, no girl. That's cute. That's that is so cute. Yeah,
1: and it's so unique. I don't think I've ever met <laughs> yeah. her before. That's dope. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, thank you,
2: thank you.
0: So what helps you recenter yourself? And also stimulate yourself creatively because the work that you do is giving so much. And I feel like, especially me, when I was burnt out, and I'm still recovering, but it's definitely better. And my creativity is coming back. But I had no creativity for a long time, literally yeah. none. And I'm a creative person. So, how do you make sure to recenter and and channel that creative energy?
2: I mean, honestly, that's why the the business model I've designed for myself where I only come online if I have something to share. You know, I only work on projects when I feel like I have something to contribute that'll make it great. You know, it's like, that's part of that design. It's the ebb and flow of creativity. I've never wanted to feel like a factory because I'm not, I can't pump out content every day. I can't even pump out content that's going to be consistently great. Like, that's just not, I don't see how that's possible. Like, so giving myself that space has been a blessing because it's not expected of me. No one's expecting friends to post every week or even every month. But they know when I do come with something, it's going to hit a certain way because they know that I've like taken time away and then have poured into whatever that new project is. And so that's why it's worked out that way by design, because it's literally structured around my creative moods, you know, and that's what's been so great, because I'm not putting on and I'm not trying to be that person either. That's like, oh, I must rest. It's like, no, I don't have it. (laughs) Like, I just don't have it to give a lot of times. And I can only do what I can if I want the content to have integrity and substance and really feel like me, you know, and so lots of rest, lots of rest. I remember I feel like it was on this show, or maybe when you guys came on online that I was talking about, like I get nine to ten hours of sleep at night. I don't play like <laughs> wow. I my weekends, I have boundaries too. I don't work on the weekends unless I absolutely have to, where it's like, you know, sometimes you have to travel for campaigns and stuff. But for the most part, I do not work on the weekends and I don't work on Fridays. So because I'm like, you need those three days. You know, Friday is where my body is like completely shut down. So I probably just need to just be still, maybe veg out watching Housewives of Potomac or something. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Dustin. And then like Saturday's exploration, you know, that's when I have a little more energy. I've powered up a little bit because I rested on Friday. And that's when I want to be out, you know, hiking or exploring or especially being out here, meeting new people, looking at different neighborhoods and just like hiking, all these things. And then Sundays, like wind down, you know, in preparation for the new week. So that's where I'm like cleaning, kind of getting my mind around, like, what's the new week going to feel like? And I feel like those three days are crucial. You know, like super crucial. I hate that we try to fit everything into a Saturday and Sunday. And even Monday, I've started to slow it down in the sense that it's more of an admin day where I'm responding to emails and not necessarily creating off, out the gate of the week. You know, like that's where I am kind of getting my mind wrapped around like what's what's going on now. What do I need, what needs my energy and attention, you know, and, and how to do that. And so really just like designing my week in a way that would bring the best out of me creatively. So lots of slowing down and it's become very spacious. I'm doing a lot less, but what I am doing just feels like it's more, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause it has my full mind, less multitasking. That's another thing. I have cut that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think in this day and age, you get uh, rewarded for doing 10 million things, but then those 10 million things don't get your full mind. So don't really hit like you need it to. And I found that doing less is ends up giving a lot more and that works out way better for me. How do you not multitask? (laughs) (laughs) I just, I had to stop like whatever I'm working on has my full mind, Mm. you know, so I have less things that I've schedule for the day, instead of trying to squeeze in everything. It's like, that's not going to end up coming out that good. You know how it is. Like you'll be on your reserve tank of energy, trying to be in a meeting, giving ideas. It don't make any sense. Like it's, they're just not going to get the best out of you. So I've scheduled a lot less. And like I said, this has been over time, you know, like I'm also what, 15 years, 14 years in the game at this point, like At this point in my life, I can create that spaciousness, and Mm -hmm. because I've, I've, I hate to say that we earned it, because that's so that's some capitalistic shit. (laughs) It's like I've earned this place. I paid my dues. I paid my. I suffered to get up here, but it's the truth. That's just the world we live in, you know. And it's almost like you have to suffer to design that space. And I hate that because not everyone gets there. And some people work so hard their entire lives, and it's just that's a whole other conversation, but. For me, I almost am like my mom, you know, as an immigrant, this is what she came here for, for me to be able to have a more spacious life. So I feel proud to be able to do that for myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really quick other question about that. Do you only do meetings a certain day or time or like how do you divide output of creative work versus meetings and all that other stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean it depends. I'll be real. Some people, if I really like you, like y'all, I'll meet mm. y'all whenever. <laughs> like it's whatever works for us. But when it's like a company, you know, I'm more rigid. Where you have we have to fit around my ca- like capacity. Yeah. And before, you know, you'd be like, oh yes, yes, like whatever works. But now I'm like, no, I have Monday for you, and I have Thursday for you, and. Yeah. Let me know what works for you. And just even feeling safe and knowing that I can I, I can speak that way, you know, and I can have that rigidity around protecting the space, the spaciousness that I've created, because you really do have to protect that, especially as a yeah. workaholic, it bleeds in, it comes back out, you know, it's a constant, it's an addiction. I always say it's like work is like a glorified addiction just because it's quote unquote productive. Yeah. And, but it's still a problem. It's a problem. I saw myself not eating, like powering through the day, not eating, not even moving my spine, not getting any oxygen because I have to work. Like that's wild. And yeah, yeah. didn't want to play that game no more. Sometimes you don't even get water. Your head's pounding when you go to bed. You're like, what kind of life is this? Just because I had to get this project out. I mean, what? I just didn't want to do that no more. I like it now where my mornings are slower. You know, I'm drinking tea, going for walks, working on what I want to. Like I said, it's my output is much more solid because I have more space.
1: Yeah, that's so inspiring. I just love your approach. And yeah, I just think there's so much burnout, especially in the online space with the work that we're doing, because like you said, it's like it becomes very performative. It's not coming from a place of creativity. It's coming from a place of like keeping up with algorithms and trends. And so it it like it kills creativity, if anything. So it's just like so inspiring that you've been able to do things your way and that you're like fulfilled with the work that you're doing and that it's meaningful. And like, I, yeah, it's just, it's a lot to think about for me. Cause I'm just like, wow, you know, it's really something to aspire to.
2: Yeah. And it's crazy because even with the spaciousness, like I was telling you earlier how, when I was running down my year with my best friend, like it's still a lot, you know? And I think we don't realize how much we do on yeah. a daily basis until you really step back and so even with the spaciousness I'm describing I'm still battling workaholism like yeah. because it's still a lot of stuff that gets done even with me cutting down and and you know having boundaries and rigidity around certain days it's still a lot we give so much of ourselves <laughs> especially as entrepreneurs it's never ending and it we play so many roles and fit so many hats and it's just like wow i have to be this boundary if i'm going to stay sane like i have no choice because that burnout is awful and and by the time december comes around you know how you just feel so depleted you can't even enjoy your holiday cuz you're just like a zombie <laughs> like a shell oh, yeah. of a person cuz by the time that time of the year comes you gave so much and and then you get, what, a week off, two yep. weeks off, and then you write right back at it in January. It just don't make sense. I had to even adjust that with the friend zone. I was like, y'all, we got to take six weeks off. And they were like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, We cannot do that. People will stop listening to the show. There's so many new podcasts. We can't play that game. Even our the CEO was like, OK, but that's a lot of ad money you're losing. I was like, I'm OK with that. Because there's no way that I'm going to finish the year in December and then by January 7th, just be back with a whole new year of shows. It's just not sustainable. We record every week for the past seven years.
0: It's a lot. (laughs)
2: What human can do that? and function and luckily they understood and now they can't live without the break they're like "Woo, our break's coming up you know (laughs) (laughs)
0: is it do you take off december and then half of january or
2: exactly so give some breath work for the end of the year and then come into the year you know breathing into what the new year's asking of you very woo woo but to me it's been a blessing i personally don't like starting january really busy because yep. I'm still like decompressing from the year. I like it slower so I can like, you know, gather myself, get, mm. get my footing. Like, what did I learn from last year? Kind of like taking all the things that happens, a lot of processing. And I like you said, Wendy, the, the way that the algorithm and just social media and business models are now, it's like there's no room for you to breathe. It's a chokehold the whole year round, and I just I was feeling the burn of that, you know. And I was like, if I'm gonna keep doing this for more years and have output that I'm proud of, something's got to give, and it can't be me. So, yep, I had to tinker around with what that looked like until it felt right, and it's still a work in progress, you know. Like I definitely still even with the spaciousness, still will have burnout, like mm-hmm. still. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot to figure out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's very much more, more, more. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, like, in thinking about the future and like, you know, like just you have so many great things happening now. Do you think too far into the future or like strategize about like what that can look like, like just doing certain things so that other things can happen for you in terms of work? Or do you take it more like day by day? How do you approach that?
2: Day by day. Yeah, because I it just gives me too much anxiety if I start. Because then I start getting in my head like, well, am I still going to be podcasting when I'm in my 60s? And then if I'm not podcasting, (laughs) like, am I still gonna be on IG posting Target campaigns? Like, I get so anxious (laughs) because I'm like, who am I gonna be after having a career like this? What does this? translate into in your 50s and 60s and 70s? Will I have enough money? What if I live till I'm 100? Like I'll just go ham, especially with social security. We're not even guaranteed that anymore. It's like, there's so much worry and concern. You see these banks failing. We literally don't know what's gonna happen in the next 10, 20 years. And so I don't wanna do that to myself. So I'm gonna take yeah. it day by day and pour into what I need to and just trust that the path is unfolding because it has in the past 15 years. It has not let me down. I never knew what a podcast was. Now look at me. This is like my whole life now. And that's because I just like trusted each decision and kind of just like surrendered to whatever was, you know, staying open to whatever was, was coming my way. And that feels better for my nervous system. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll just take it day by day and do my best and, and have faith that that's going to unfold how it needs to.
0: And we're also the first generation. And really, I think us folks who are 40 or turning 40, well, I don't know. We're the first generation of people who made a business online 1000%. in this way. So we really don't know
2: what that looks like what that looks like and like what's what's a retirement plan of a content (laughs) creator (laughs) right (laughs) and now there's like a
0: whole generation of new content creators and and the mentality of of them is very much like they're young and they do have more energy and their their output is just so much greater although they are getting burnt out at like 22 which is wild but um, yeah and
2: they also didn't that's all they've known you know like they came into it watching us we didn't we didn't see us we created Mm -hmm. us and so we still had that sort of half in half out where like we grew up outside you know we grew up traveling to see family we grew up but now these young kids all they know is social media and it's their life in a way deeper all-consuming way that it really wasn't for us. I mean, I was 15, I think, when I first got into my first, like, AOL chat room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember back in the day? like Sure do. You know, so, Age, like... next sex, location. Yeah, I was already 15. I had already been in high school, you know, and experienced a lot before that even, like, got integrated. And even at 15, it's not like I had a cell phone that I was, like, with apps, like, social media. It wasn't a thing. You just waited till you got home, if nobody was using the phone and you had access to the internet (laughs) and, you know, chatted on AOL for a little bit, it wasn't so much a part of my life like it is for these kids. So I feel for them because I think that output is really all they know. And I just hope that they take care of themselves while they navigate this all-consuming digital space, you know, because look at us. It wasn't a huge part of our lives, but we still are consumed (laughs) by it because it's an addiction.
1: Yep. So it's like, it ooh, really I feel is. for
2: them. Yeah, it's it's going to be a learning process, I think, for all of us. Mm. Yeah. Good Lord. Well,
1: so you have this NPR podcast. Tell us about that. Tell us about, mm-hmm. like, other cool things that you're up to. Like, we're just so excited living vicariously through you with all of us. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is so dope. So tell us about the podcast, what it's about. And anything else that you're excited about?
2: Yeah, I mean, the podcast, I'm super proud of it. It's called Living for We, and it's part of this NPR idea stream collaboration where a study was released in Pittsburgh during quarantine, actually, where the mayor at the time of Pittsburgh hired these uh, university researchers to create like a livability index to show like how much better Pittsburgh was, right, than like every other city. Because apparently Pittsburgh for the past couple of years has been like the best city to live in. You know, when they drop those lists, like it's best for education and for like um, income and work opportunities and healthcare, and it just ranked very high. But unfortunately for him, while he was trying to get these researchers to do it as a flex, these researchers were also race scholars from the university. So they were like, there's two different livability indexes happening here. (laughs) This is for the white people, yes, but you have not taken into account what the black people in your city have been experiencing. Mm. And they were afraid that this information was gonna be buried. So she was very slick and and submitted the livability index to him the same day she submitted it to the news, to the Bloomberg News. So that way it could not be buried. She ended up losing her job, death threats, you name it. But she was like, it was worth it (laughs) because I had to... Let these mayors stop flexing when there's a large part of their demographic that's being largely ignored. yeah, and in that in that index, she ended up being like, "You know what? I'm gonna do this for all the cities that had at least hundred thousand black people living in it, at least, right? At minimum, she did it for those cities. And Cleveland came in dead last. High like infant mortality rate was highest, suicide rate was highest arrest rates, murders, I mean, you name it, it was just horrifying information. And imagine if we had found that out about Pittsburgh and Cleveland was doing even worse. So these researchers from Cleveland, from a company called Enlightened Solutions, they decided to team up and and interview black women from Cleveland to create data based on their actual experiences and see if it matched up with what the Livability Index had provided. And from that, it turned into this Project Noir is what they called it. And that's where NPR came in. They were like, we should turn this into a podcast. (laughs) We should take the Livability Index information tied into the Project Noir deck and the the interviews with Black women in Cleveland, flesh it out. Who do we hire? Hey, Fran, hey, she can help us format this in a way that's palatable to the millennial Years, you know, because it's very dense, it's very heavy, and I got blessed to be hired to figure out how do we turn this into a show that people will feel, you know, but also take in in small doses because it really is a lot for the average person. And we've been formatting it since July, and the first episode just dropped earlier this month, March first. Perfect time for International Women's Month. <laughs> it kind of aligns so divinely. And, and that's what that project is, just giving the Black women in Cleveland a voice because it took this white researcher for them to listen to this when Black women and Black researchers have been saying this for years. And so it was bittersweet with the white researcher because while she did get the info out there, it was still frustrating that it took for her to say it for all of this to happen, even down to us Formatting this podcast. So it's frustrating, but at least it's getting the work done. And I'm very proud of it. We had Tamir Rice's mom, who you know is a 12 year old that was killed in Cleveland. She was on the podcast. We've had Aisha Bell Hardaway, who was like a police monitor that was hired after that happened when they were kind of trying to be like, oh, let's put a Black woman, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to kind of save face and just what she had to endure the public scrutiny of kind of being in the middle. And just a lot of incredible conversations. We have eight-year-olds talking about what they experience in their neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We have 94-year-olds sharing how the landscape has changed since the 40s. You know, so really powerful podcast. It's based on Black women, so it's been very hard getting it circulating, which has been a challenge that I didn't anticipate. I, didn't, I forget we're such a small percentage of the world, right? So the average person is not going to click to find right. out what's happening to Black women in right. Cleveland, you know? Right. So that's been a challenge, but it's such beautiful work. And I felt really honored that from something that I was like, oh, what's a podcast? That now I'm helping format such important research and data with, People from our community who need that that assist, you know. And I'm I, I'm like, look how life works. That's why I don't plan ahead because I never would have thought I would have developed this skill set. Yeah. I couldn't have planned for this because it just wasn't something I would have saw. Is, you know, sometimes we can be very limited in what our five year plan is because it's based on who we are right now. And so I'm thankful to have stayed open because this is a dream come true. It's it has its challenges, but for the most part, I'm like. I think this is probably my best work. Mm. And to be able to say that 15 years in, it's like a blessing, you know, but it's absolutely my best work.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't. How many episodes is it? Or is it one episode?
2: It's going to be 12 in total, okay. but it's only two episodes out now. And then the third one comes out next week okay, and it perfect. comes out every other week. Yeah.
0: I love that. Give you yeah. time to actually
2: yeah it's a lot it's a lot I'm like with let's let's some spaciousness yeah we need to see. yeah
0: it's, everything's just so quick I'm like okay right, the week right. is good I can manage time
2: to digest
0: yeah, yeah exactly. it sounds great well thank you for sharing that any other places people can find you I know people most people probably know you from the friend zone podcast of course and the yeah. binge and the woo <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, the Friend Zone podcast, of course. That's every week, every Wednesday. And we're about to hit our seventh year, which is nuts. Then, of course, we have our Patreon at the Friend Zone podcast. And that's where we have additional content, where each of the hosts has their own show. And then we have a show together where we just binge silly stuff just to lighten up the energy, you know. And then also, I've been working a lot with Target just because they've received these annual budgets now that focus on Black content creators, and it's called Black Beyond Measure. It's like a new initiative that Target created, and I've been able to flex my directing skills, which Mm -hmm. has been really cool, because I I love being behind the scenes. Like, I feel like I shine a lot more and being more of the like researcher and creative that kind of puts all the puzzle pieces together. I can be in front of the camera and that that's cool, but I'd much rather just be kind of behind the scenes. And I've been stepping into those roles a lot more, obviously with the NPR show and then working on directing these content pieces for other Black creatives through the target medium. And that's been fun too. Yeah, so a lot more target collabs coming up this year with some dope creatives. Obviously the NPR show and friend zone and then I'll just be asleep. Otherwise, in my little hammock in my backyard. Girl,
0: <laughs> you and me both.
2: <laughs>
0: taking Fridays off. Okay. Okay, needed. Okay. So needed. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. This was honestly amazing. And it gave me a lot to think about for my own life and schedule. I'm going to be making some changes. Yeah. Yeah. This is always great to catch up.
2: Yes. Thank you for having me. It it was nice to be able to share what life has felt like since moving out here. So, and you know, I love y'all. I feel like we've been in this together, (laughs) navigating all (sighs) these changes and this, ever evolving digital space, yeah, you know, and and I think we've done great because it's we're getting older and we're still out here surviving, thriving, still out here. <laughs> mm. so, thank you, mm. and I wish you guys the best with the Food Heaven brand because y'all are just the coolest. Y'all know I've always been president of the fan club. Oh, gosh, that's the thank term you. that I can. You know, I'm Thanks the president so of the Food Heaven fan club now. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.
1: Yep. Our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.